Welcome to a new episode of MedTech on Air. This is Domenico Iannona from the MedTech Europe studio. And here with me in Brussels, I have the pleasure to welcome Alexander Olbrecht, which is Director Digital Health at MedTech Europe. Welcome, Alexander. Hello. Thanks for having me. And I also have the pleasure to welcome from Northern Ireland, Dr. Edward O'Neill, who was Director COVID Certification Service and is currently Consultant Medical Advisor for the Department of Health in Northern Ireland. Welcome, Edward. Thank you. Glad to be here. So today with Alexander and Edward, we are going to talk about a topic that has been addressed recently in the news from uh, 2023, which is artificial intelligence. Uh, so lately we heard a lot about the impact that AI can have, is having and may have in the future in our daily life, uh, on our works. But what is the impact that AI can have uh, on the healthcare sector and more specifically on the uh, medical technology industry? So, Alexander, can you give us a bit of an explanation of what is the value of AI for the medical technology sector? Well, it's, it's a good question to start with, um, but let me break the question down in, in two pieces, maybe, because we have the value of AI on uh, what the general impact of general AI will be um, on the population, let's say. Uh, so it will support humans in their daily lives, uh, regardless of the sector. And it can take care of routine tasks and especially advance human knowledge. Now, these three points are actually quite relevant if you translate them into the medical devices industry and the, and the in vitro uh, diagnostics, because those three points can actually improve patient outcomes and healthcare systems. And they can assist healthcare professionals in their tasks as they um, are present throughout the patient journey. So AI can help boost the healthcare professionals' uh, work and output and so on and really complement that. And they can do so throughout the entire patient journey, starting from having a healthy lifestyle all the way up to diagnosis, therapy and, and long-term follow-up. So the value of AI within the medical technology industry is actually quite wide. And uh, I'm going to stop here. Well, no. Thank you, Alexander. And Edward, let me come to you. So Alexander just explained that the AI can play a significant role in, uh, uh, in healthcare and for the medical technology industry. But what is the role that actually AI can play in delivering real value for the healthcare today? And you as an expert from Northern Ireland, have, you have a really specific point of view. Is there, you can share with us your perspective on this? I think one of the biggest problems we have at the moment, certainly in healthcare in the UK, is, is a workforce shortage. So I think there's great potential for AI to augment the work of people, uh, professionals uh, and non-professional staff within the, um, within the health service, all playing important roles. Um, so for things like repetitive tasks, so we, we used AI, for instance, in identity checks for automating digital identity adoption. That's a repetitive task that certainly you can scale and deliver at pace. And for a fraction of the cost, we delivered it for about 10% of a manual check. So for those types of repetitive tasks, you can extend the uh, and optimize the activity of your workforce. And there's also as well in consuming large amounts of health data across the system to be able to optimize how you deliver your services. So analysis, pattern recognition, AI can consume large amounts of data 
and help you to make sense of it, uh, quite often unstructured data. So I think there's potential there to help us to optimize and improve the efficiency of service delivery. And then I think also as well for clinical professionals in decision support roles. So we all know that you know professionals, when they're in emergency situations, can focus quite well because their adrenaline's rushing. But when it comes to repetitive tasks like reading of routine uh, imaging or looking at histopathology slides, there's potential for AI to augment that role and help with decision support so that the individual's uh, performance is optimized and risk is managed more effectively. And it means then you can maybe uh, reduce the amount of checking of two sets of individuals having to read radiology films. So that gives you an opportunity as well to maximize the effectiveness of your staff, which in the current climate with cash constraint and, and uh, workforce issues is probably no bad thing. Well, uh, thank you, Adart. This is a question that I open to both of you for a discussion. What do you think are some key area within uh, healthcare and medical technology sector where AI has already shown uh, this value and this impact that uh, you just talked about? Maybe just with Edward and then we can move to Alexander. Okay, well, during COVID, uh, the COVID crisis, we, as part of our COVID certification solution, decided to leverage the opportunity to create digital registration of patients. So prior to the pandemic, we'd had a very small uptake um, and we had over five years, I think, created about 18,000 identities for a population of 1.9 million. With COVID, we knew because of certification for travel, domestic certification, that we had an opportunity to produce a, a data secure solution and promote adoption of digital identities that we could leverage after the pandemic. Um, we were able to uh, onboard nearly a million, uh, million citizens, uh, about 64% of the population over 16 in a very short time frame, uh, We were processing up to 50,000 checks a day. The cost of those was about 10% of what a manual check would cost. So we're left now with, as a result of that automation, with a very sophisticated process that uh, achieved levels as high as 90% of automation, which is an industry leading standard. But that, that sort of repetitive task that would be very time intensive for staff was really taken out of the system by adopting AI and having the uh, AI to learn how to check documents, to look for points of, of uh, authenticity, to conduct background checks and make sure there was a record of the person over time. So I think in that sort of very practical example, we can see that AI had a great benefit. We're currently rolling out in the secondary care across the region in Northern Ireland, a fully digital electronic health record solution and built into that from the day of when it uh, is, is, is switched on this autumn, uh, we'll have AI working in the background, uh, looking at, at physician decision-making and helping to produce prompting and decision support in the future. So we think that that will reduce errors in the system, will prompt people to look at alternative diagnoses, uh, will help with the implementation of guidelines and guidance to really improve a lot of the things that humans sometimes don't do as well as they could, but certainly with that support and reminder, we can really improve the efficiency and accuracy of what we do. Alexander, you want to add something on this? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's quite clear as, as uh, Edward is um, is saying as well. You immediately, with, with when you talk about this topic, you immediately get into the big numbers. 
Um, and we've seen this as well with a, with a study that we commissioned uh, by MedTech Europe some, some time ago is, and, and brace yourselves because the, these numbers are quite significant and, and quite large, is that AI, the potential impact of AI could lead to some positive outcomes. For example, saving nearly 400,000 lives yearly, accounting for 200 billion in annual savings and freeing up 1.8 billion working hours every year. Uh, and this steps exactly into, into what previously said. These are big, these are really big numbers. And to make them a little bit more concrete, I, I have three examples. The first example is one that is very dear to me, and that's cardiovascular diseases. So we all have smartwatches with some sort of an algorithm that tracks your, your cardiovascular health. And in combination with AI algorithms, it has the, the potential to reduce hospital uh, hospitalizations, excuse me, and it could save up to 36.9 billion euros. Uh, in turn, this could have the potential to contribute to the prevention of over 1.8 million cardiovascular diseases related deaths in the EU. And as you might know, cardiovascular disease is one of the leading causes of death in the EU. A third, a second uh, example is reducing the administrative burden for healthcare professionals, as I already mentioned a couple of times, by voice-to-text applications uh, that are supported by, by AI. So they can take notes about symptoms, write prescriptions, order additional tests, arrange follow-up appointments, classify and enter everything into a patient's electronic health record. Only that could add up to reduce the burden on healthcare professionals by up to 507.2 million hours. I calculated this and this is 57 years. So that's quite a big number again. And if you translate that to an, into an opportunity cost, it's around 7.9 billion euros. The last example is an example on human error in surgery. Uh, AI-enabled robo robotic hands can use data from past operations to perform the new ones, i.e. the errors in the past can be avoided by AI and due to combination with, uh, with robotics. And such an application could potentially save um, 36 million days of hospital stay, and that would lead up to almost 13 uh, billion of savings per year. So you can see there's quite a lot of big numbers there and the potential is quite huge of having AI implemented fully in our healthcare system in different areas of healthcare and different pathologies. So, so far in this conversation, we already found out about so many ways that AI can contribute to uh, the healthcare system. But uh, AI also contributes to improve patient care and outcomes in healthcare. Edward, you have a lot of uh, experience on the field. Can you provide us with some specific examples or case studies about this? Yeah, I, first of all, I think, you know, when it comes to recognizing patterns that can trigger alerts or alarms, certainly AI solutions can do that. So if you have a, an electronic or digital health record system, you can be, for instance, picking up uh, cases of sepsis in your emergency departments. I've seen examples, I think it was from Australia, where they had automated the blood pressure, temperature and pulse readings to flag potential cases of sepsis. And before a patient had even been assessed by a doctor, we're alerting uh, intensive care teams to go and help those patients and make early interventions, drastically reducing their mortality rates. Um, when it comes to, for instance, cancer detection on histopathology slides or 
radiology slides, uh, AI can greatly improve the accuracy of reading because I'm sure, as you can imagine, when you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of slides, it might be easy to miss something, but certainly that machine learning and, and AI approach can rigorously flag up issues. Again, those can be judged by the human eye and you have that backup of, of human sense checking because AI is not always right, but it's that principle that two eyes are better than one. And certainly if, if your backup is an AI program that's been rigorously tested on, on thousands and thousands of samples, it's likely to be as accurate or as good as, as a competent clinician. Um, there's been examples, for instance, with lateral flow testing and near patient testing, where automated AI solutions are 10 to 20% more accurate at interpreting results than the human eye. So, you know, during COVID, this sort of technology was proven, but as we move to what comes next as we emerge from COVID, I think, you know, point of care testing is going to be something that's going to be offered in pharmacies as an alternative to presenting at urgent care centers or presenting to doctors as we make better use of the whole community team and having automated readers in place for those point of care tests, whether it's for infection or potentially for cancer screening in the future, as you look at blood biomarkers, there's a huge role there that AI can play in helping improve the efficiency and safety of our services. Maybe now it's time to move to potential challenges or limitations that the, the wider adoption of AI can have in the healthcare system. And here it's a question for both of you, Alexander and Edward. So what, what do you see these limitations or these challenges and how, we can, uh, how those can be addressed to maximize adoption and value? So maybe first to Alexander. The, the first challenge that is in turn an opportunity as well is, is on the regulatory side. Uh, evolving regulations can uh, increase adoption and, and foster this innovation, but it needs to be done in a correct uh, way. And to do so as an industry, we need legal certainty and, and regulatory alignment with our current um, uh, legislation is absolutely crucial. Uh, so we, we overcome fragmentation uh, and so on. A second point that is that is that I want to make is the payment systems. Uh, they should provide incentives for these types of innovation. That is, and that is not the case today. Uh, we need dedicated pathways for the actual assessment of AI technologies, uh, where they recognize the value, both clinically and in organizational terms, because those are the two distinct uh, ways. And and to do so, assessment should be done in an adaptive approach. And they have to take a particular, they have to take into account the particular characteristics of digital and AI. And furthermore, and lastly, that is the, the short life cycles uh, need to be taken into consideration as well. A third pillar is for patients and healthcare providers, AI is still quite new. And if we want to enable patients uh, to use and to trust AI-enabled medical technologies, uh, we have to increase the trust and willingness to embrace it in, within healthcare. Um, it has to be built on tailored safety and, and two bigger aspects that are from really important is we have the transparency and explainability that will be crucial in the trust element for patients to enable their um, uptake on, on, on AI technologies. And lastly, we have the data that is quite heterogeneous throughout the ecosystem. Most of the data are unstructured, they're spread across multiple data sources, stored in varying data structures, and we have a solution for this, which is interoperability of health 
data. But this is crucial as well because we want to have qualitative data being used by AI systems to develop those algorithms and so on. Um, but the quality of the data will be crucial what and determine the output of, of the AI system. So in turn, these are the challenges and in turn the opportunities as well because, uh, you know, with the regulatory it can foster that adoption. If we develop that trust with patients, the uptake will be there. Supporting payment systems and good quality of data are, in my opinion, the challenges, but the opportunities as well for a successful implementation of AI across the, the healthcare system. Uh, Edward, do you want to add something on this? Yeah, I think I, I would echo a lot of what Alexander has said, and certainly he's touched on most of the main areas. Um, if I can sort of draw on a couple of those themes, maybe a little bit, I think that trust is a huge issue. And I think we are right not to trust AI to work independently of humans in clinical roles at the moment. I think there has been um, somewhat of an overstatement of the power of generative AI, only for us to find perhaps that there is a tendency to invent answers where evidence is lacking, and then uh, a warning to health check the information that you get in case that it's not true. So I think that shows that AI and generative AI is limited by the quality of the programming. It also then is open to the influences or prejudices that an individual programmer may have. We've already seen with humans that there are problems with race bias, with class bias, gender bias. And I think those things can also manifest themselves in programming of generative AI if there are not appropriate checks or regulation of that. There's also a financial issue in terms of indemnity or insurance. I think the cost of, of, of funding indemnity in relation to standalone AI would be prohibitive. So I think AI, as I would see it, is going to be there as a really useful and, and helpful tool to people in performing the roles that they, they, they will carry out in a um, support and, and, and decision support role. So I think that certainly will help build trust if they know that the, if the public knows that though there's AI involved, there are humans looking at this and that, you know, the trust level would be no different to trusting your doctor or your nurse or healthcare professional that you would normally trust. So this is the current situation for, for AI. But before closing the conversation, let's look ahead of, uh, of this sector. So, Edward, I want to ask you, how do you envision AI evolving in the coming years? I think it's really just going to be more of the same. Um, I think that I've already outlined a few areas, whether it's, uh, and, and Alexander's echoed those in terms of things like uh, data analysis and pattern recognition. So helping us to make better decisions. I think traditionally when we've managed health services, we've done that in retrospect on old data. I think the difference that AI could make is it may enable real time decisions to be made so, for instance, if you're overseeing urgent care in a region, you could make, in, you know, uh, I suppose, preemptive decisions. The AI can model for you where things are going and flag up that maybe an action in this area will help prevent um, a problem that it has foreseen based on those sorts of pattern recognition. I think we've mentioned already the, the staffing issues. I think increasingly we will see optimization of a finite staff resource with AI tools and AI backup. <clears throat> I think if you can do things like support digital self-service for the public where they can get information or access to certain routine things like booking appointments, repeat prescriptions, all of those things through AI 
we could take humans out of doing those repetitive tasks and free them up where they can add uh, more value. So I think it's you'll see, I think, in the next 10 to 20 years, probably more of the same, but just getting better refinement, better sophistication and building up the level of trust. Uh, whether we get to a hologram uh, in the sci-fi sense in a Star Trek doctor, that's your hologram, that's your medical treatment. I, I don't know. I, I don't see it in my lifetime. Thank you, Edward. Maybe, yeah. So, Alexander, you want to have a final thought on this? Yes, because, I mean, it's very interesting. And I think the data quality and, and that in, combined with very qualitative AI algorithms and so on implemented with a patient journey, that will be very interesting to see because it will really unlock. I think those are the two pivotal moments that will truly unlock personalized medicine and this precision medicine. Uh, we have tailored solutions for your for your conditions, chronic uh, chronic uh, illness, uh, but acute illness as well. And that will be that will be really interesting in turn with the organizational benefits that AI can have within the healthcare sector. Um, the holograms, I don't know, Edward. I'm still doubting there as well whether that will be a, the 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 case. But in a in a middle term, I think that will be very very important for the healthcare sector. Uh, beautiful applications are being developed every day. New ones uh, are all reaching the market every day. And I think the benefits are, are, are clearly there, but there's a huge potential still there, as we discussed in the beginning of the podcast. And I think it's a step-by-step process of really unlocking all of that. And if everyone really, you know, works together and stakeholders get together, that will be very important as well with a central position of the patient moving moving forward and having that as the uh, as the driver for all of us to to keep innovating uh, new solutions within the field of AI. Yeah, and more than once during this conversation, you repeated that one of the main aim of AI and digital health in general is to uh, create value for the patient, that this should be a patient-centered uh, uh, actions. So to our listeners who may be interested to know to explore further uh, the value of AI, do you have any suggestion or call to action? Well, if we want to have in the environment that we just talked about and having all of these advantages uh, being becoming reality, um, you know, with a safe, high quality, and trustworthy AI, we need to have a regulatory landscape that allows that and that supports the accessibility of safe AI and medical technologies. And it looks like a framework for us it looks like a framework that is clear transparent and innovation friendly that will unlock trust and confidence of patients and healthcare professionals in order to start using it and then tapping into that potential and that is a crucial chain of events for us as an industry that needs to be there and needs to happen we are moving in the right direction um, but those are the that's my call to action let's say and for you edward I think that futurology is a very difficult sort of science and, and where it will go. If you look at the last 60 years, you know, we've gone from a situation where it took a room full of computers with multiple loops of tape sending a rocket to the moon. Um, you know, that technology is a fraction of what's now currently in your smartphone that everybody operates and has in their hip pocket. So I think what we've seen in the last few years is a very rapid acceleration. So I think technology will accelerate probably at an even more breathtaking space. We've got quant computing potentially. 
will revolutionize even the ability of AI and what it can do. So I think it's really important that we have an informed citizenry, that we get politicians that are, are literate with IT, because a lot of our politicians aren't, and that we help to create an environment that allows this to be used safely in, in a health technology environment for everybody's benefit. Well, uh, thank you both Alexander and Edward. I think we arrived at the end of this conversation. Uh, for sure, now we have a more clear idea on uh, what can be the impact, but especially the value of AI for healthcare and the medical technology sector. So thank you again to, to both of you and to your views and perspective. And for our listeners, if you want to know more uh, about this topic, about digital health and AI, you can visit the Metech Europe website on uh, metechurope.org, where you can find more information, blogs, podcasts, and policy papers. And you can follow us on our social media channels to be updated with this and uh, other releases from Metech Europe. So let's keep in touch for the next episode of Metech on Earth.